to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And we're not really experts in anything, but we do like a good bottle of wine. We and do. every week we cover a new topic and we drink a new one. Yes. And this week I'm so excited because we are talking about how to make an impact. And we have an amazing guest, yes. Kristen Brandt. She's the co-founder of She's the First and the author of her new book, Impact. We're going to be talking about how to overcome feeling too small for a big cause, Mm. how to find your North Star, and the steps to take to make a lasting impact for good. Yes, because I think we're all kind of in this space where we're like, I want to do something. You want to make a difference. I want to make a difference, but I'm just little old me. What do I do? What do I do? We're going to be talking to Kristen about it. But first, Matt, what are we drinking for this episode? Yeah, so we are drinking the Fearless Rose. Oh, I love Fearless because I love Taylor Swift. Yes, well, this, I actually went to high school with this is a female vintner. Wow. Chelsea. And so I almost just poured this into a water cup. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was watching you do that and I wasn't saying anything because I was like, is she going to commit to that? Yeah, no, that was my bad. We're just going to, oh, okay. It's so, I've like, I don't know why, I don't forget that you're from Napa, but it's very cool that you know people who make wine. Yeah, you know, a lot of people that I went to high school with have their own labels now, so. Fancy. I know, very, very proud of all them, but this is the rosé from her line, Fearless. Okay, let's take a little sippy. Take a sippy sip. Ooh, hmm. ooh, fun! A lot of flavor. Okay, well, we'll Wait, we'll get into that. We'll we'll, we'll circle back at the end of the episode. But now I just want to let you know that you know I've been having like sleep issues for a little bit, yes. and they have been improving, and I'm feeling I'm good. And I feel like I got a good routine going. Good. Yeah. Does it still involve the the sleepy time loge? That has not been a part of the routine for, for some time now because you know. You might have you had a little bit of an adverse yeah, reaction. There was a moment. So I I used to have for our <laughs> listeners, I used to have the sleepy time lotion. It's from Lush. It's actually like pretty. It's like a hot topic. Yeah, because I, they, I don't even know if they still make it. Well, I don't know what they put in it. It was like lavender. I don't either. Or whatever. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. But I went to Lush one time to pick it up, and I was like, hey, like, do you have the sleepy time lotion that like knocks you out? And they're like, we, we legally cannot say that it, that it does that. <laughs> It does not knock you out. We cannot guarantee that. And I was like, oh, it's just like what everyone's talking about. Like, no comment. <laughs> You're it's like, over there, but no comment. Like, we won't say anything, but yes, it's over there. Yes. And Natalie had a bit of an adverse reaction one night when she... <laughs> well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Okay. So I was spending the night at Corinne's place. This was several years ago. Yeah, I'm going to say four years ago. <laughs> and I... She, we were getting ready for bed and she was lotioning up with this sleepy time lotion. And she's like, oh, you want to try it? And I said, yeah. And there's no like CBD in this or anything. No, this is literally a lavender scented lotion. lotion yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. That is what I thought. So I put it on and you know what? Something happened where <laughs> this has never, ever happened again or before, by the way. I woke up in the middle of the night. Wait, should I tell my perspective of it? Because you were asleep. So I'm laying in bed and Natalie sits up straight, flips around on her knees and is like on her knees facing me in the bed and then 
screams, ah, ah, ah. and then I, and then I go, I go, I go. Did you just? No, I said, did you just scream? And then Natalie wakes up and she's like, yeah, yeah, I think I did. But the part what was crazy is that she sat up and flipped around to, I guess, look at me. Never. <laughs> All I remember was like being dead ass asleep and then full blown, like straight out. Like, I don't even, it was fast too. Yeah. This thing came fast, <laughs> straight up, flipped around. I don't know how I did this on my knees, <laughs> staring at Corinne in a full, like, bloody murder scream. <laughs> And it's weird because I'm a, like a light sleeper, so that startles me usually. But for whatever reason, I was like, the sleepy lotion had like numbed me out. So I was like, did you just scream? Yes. <laughs> Any other time, Corinne would have absolutely come apart at that. And for whatever reason, she was like, did you just scream? And, I, and then I was kind of like, I'm sorry, that's never happened before. I'm sorry. Well, the funny thing is- just fell back asleep. We went, we went back to sleep, but in the morning, we like recount. We were like, did that really happen? Did you really? really scream in the middle of the night while you were sitting on my bed <laughs> and then we just went back to sleep and then the thing that's also so funny about it is the guy that you were with at the time was also like yeah I didn't like that <laughs> yeah, like, I had my ex try it and he also had a really adverse reaction to it it's so weird because I'm the only one who didn't really I know and you're usually the one that I'm has adverse sensitive. reactions to things I don't know what was in that sleepy time lotion, you guys, but if they still make it, use at your own I think goddamn it was, risk. It was becoming a legal issue because when I went in the oh. store, they were very defensive about that lotion oh and they were God. they would make no no comment on the ingredients <laughs> or what it did to you. So you're not so, you're yeah. not alone. You're not alone. I think I think other people had that experience, but it was funny. It was so funny. Oh gosh. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we um, recounted that story, let's, <laughs> let's, let's bring Kristen let's on. Bring let's Kristen. introduce her and let's introduce the topic a little bit. I mean, I, we talked about it, but we're going to be talking about how to make an impact. And I feel like this last year we had this like huge <clears throat> civil rights revolution. Mm-hmm. We were all mobilized. I feel like everyone was becoming so much more conscious and mm-hmm. in that becoming more aware of all these problems we yeah. need to fix and it can feel overwhelming. it can feel so overwhelming especially because what you know there's one problem but then it's like oh but that's stemming from this problem oh but that's stemming from that problem and this one and that one and it's just like i want to do everything and then it's just it's exhausting it, it's a lot but Kristen <clears throat> is really an expert and wrote a book about how to make an impact so let's introduce her Kristen brant is the co-founder and the chief programs officer at She's the First, an international NGO dedicated to ensuring girls everywhere are educated, respected, and heard. She is the co-author of Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in. Mm. Over the last decade, Kristen has supported the efforts of grassroots organizations in 12 countries with the resources and training needed to support more than 12,000 girls. Her training methodologies and advocacy work all revolve around one theme, listening to girls. I love her already. I love her already. You know what? More girls need to be listened to. Let's listen to this girl. Let's listen to this one. Let's bring her on. Hello, Kristen. 
Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. We're so excited to have you. I feel like this last year has put social change on the forefront of our minds mm-hmm. and you are an expert in in everything that's going on and how to make us feel like we have an impact. So we're very, very excited. And literally the name of your book is Impact. impact. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's funny. So I co-wrote the book Impact with my co-founder, Tammy, and she often says that I am like an impact therapist because I Ooh, do I think, love that. You should TM that. <laughs> right? But I do think, you know, a big part of, of social change is the how, but mm-hmm. there is so much messiness around the emotion of it all and how to approach yeah. it and how we feel about ourselves when it comes to creating change and all of these pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. It's it's the how, and I think it often feels so much bigger than us and you feel so small. I'm curious, like we said, you have the book Impact. Like what inspired you to write it with your with your co-founder? Were you kind of always action-oriented or was there something that sparked your interest in social impact and social change? So Tammy, my my co-founder and I, we started a nonprofit organization back when I was still in college. So I was 20 at the time. Over the years, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can talk about this a little more, but as the organization grew, we had a lot of people come up to us and start asking us how they can make a difference, how they can create change, how they can plug into the organization, how they can start their own organization, all of these really big questions. The truth is that there is no single pathway to doing good in the world. It's, you know, it's really all about kind of how to match up what you have to give with what the world needs. Mm -hmm. And so we wrote this book because after more than a decade of running an organization, we understood how to do that. And most people don't. There is no guidebook for how to create change in the world. And so that's what we wanted to do. That's what we wanted to create is the the plan, the pathway that you can follow. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of, you said people come up to you and ask like, you know, how do you get involved and how do you start to create change? What would you say to somebody who asks you that today? Like what's the first step? Because I think that a lot of us do feel this, we feel too small to make any sort of impact, you know, just by ourselves. How can we make a a large mark when it's just one person, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I say the first step is finding your North Star. Yes, I love that from your book. (laughs) Yes. And your North Star, you know, this is a, it's a pretty common concept, but when it comes to impact work, your North Star is really that vision of the world that you most want to see, that you most want to create. And if you can see it, if you can picture it in your mind's eye, what the world would look like if you had your way, that can guide everything else that you do. So for me, my North Star is a world where women and girls are safe and able to thrive. And that is what I picture when I think about creating change. And when I'm deciding, you know, do I want to sign up for this volunteer opportunity or where do I want to donate or where do I want to give my skills? I make sure that it falls under that end goal because that that really is the future that that I want to see that is most important to me. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm so curious about because I feel like especially what happened, you know, this past year and you know with like the the whole racial movement that was happening, mm-hmm. I felt like I had all of these different 
causes that I wanted mm-hmm. to lend my time to, my name to, to, to donate to. And I'm an ambassador for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And that is my North Star. But I also work with Girl Up, which you probably know Girl Up um, yeah. really well because they're in the same space as you. It's hard because I have so many interests and I think we all have so many passions and interests and we want to do everything. Do you yeah. recommend us <laughs> doing everything or really honing in on on one cause and one mission? Because I think I often feel overwhelmed with all of my passions yeah. and I often have to like not turn a, turn a blind eye, but also just kind of focus on what I'm doing because I feel like if I spread myself thin, yeah. it's actually maybe mm-hmm. not as helpful. But what do you think? Oh, totally. So here's, here's what I say. And here's why having the North Star is so important is because no one can do everything. Yeah. You, you can't, you cannot take on everything. And more than that, if you try, you're going to find that after six months, months, nine months, a year, you're going to be totally burned out. Mm -hmm. And when we think about creating this better world together, it doesn't do anyone any good to have you working for six months nonstop on every broken issue out there and then burning out and saying, you know what, that was way too much. And that's it. Now we've kind of lost you as an ally in this, in this fight for a better world. So what having a North Star allows you to do is focus on what is most important to you personally and focusing your skills and your time and your money in that area. Mm -hmm. Now, this allows you to do two things. One, we know that every issue area is intersectional. So when I talk about, you know, women and girls being safe, racial equity plays a huge, huge part in the ability of girls and women to be safe. And And if I'm not recognizing that, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so if if I'm not recognizing these intersectional issues, then I'm missing out like on this huge part of my North Star, Mm. right? So I am going to make sure that, you know, I'm showing up for the rallies and I'm donating to Black Lives Matter and I'm, I'm finding these ways to make sure that I'm intersectional in that approach. But it gives me the grace and the permission to not have to do everything and to not have to lead in everything, mm, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm showing up at the Black Lives Matter rally, but I'm not at the front of the march, Right. right. Someone else is taking that on because that is their North Star. You know, from an identity perspective, that's not where I belong anyway. I think that's really important mm-hmm. is that you have the ability to identify where are you going to kind of pick up the flag of a cause and where are you going to lend a supporting hand? Mm. And then when do you when do you just need to say no? Because you're overworked and you you need to give yourself some space and some time to sustain the work over the long term. It's like an activism fatigue, really. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of us did feel like that this summer, especially this past summer. It was, you know, so much going on. I'm curious in that same sort of vein, do you struggle at all? I know for myself, I felt guilty almost when I started to burn out. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Or yeah. do you have you experienced that? Oh my God, yeah. And I, <laughs> this is the thing. I think all of us to do any form of activism work, the issue is that as soon as you start seeing the ways in which the system is broken, mm. you're going to start seeing more. It's mm, not yeah. like you yeah. have this activist yes. revelation and it you're like, oh. It starts piling up and you're just like, oh, uh-huh. now there's this and this and this. Yeah. And now I'm buried under the weight of it all. And because yes. I can see it, I want to fix it. I yes, want to 100%. make sure that I'm part of the solution, right? Yes. Um, and I, I think that this is where it comes back to this idea that if, if we believe in the North Star concept, what it can tell us, what it gives us is the belief that if I follow my North Star to the best of my ability, 
without totally exhausting myself. <laughs> and Corinne, you follow your North Star. And Natalie, you follow your North Star. And, and we kind of give everyone the tools they need to do the same. And we support one another in doing that. Then we've, we've created that world where we mm-hmm. see equity for all groups. So I might not be devoting, you know, 100% of my time on climate change, for example, or environmentalism. But I have friends who that is where they're focusing their energy. And right. I'm going to trust that if I put my energy toward my North Star, that my peers are doing the same in their areas and we can all kind of keep it moving forward. And, and I'm going to trust them to do that so that I don't, I don't feel the personal obligation to take it on myself. That actually makes so much sense. And I love that concept because it just makes it feel more like teamwork. And you it's know? a collective. Yeah. Mm-hmm everybody working together. You're like, you're saying if everybody's focused on their North Star, then one, you're getting full dedication to these causes and you are chipping away at everything together mm-hmm. as opposed to, mm-hmm. I feel like that's very relieving for me because yeah. I, I like to take on, <laughs> maybe I don't like to, but I take on, I feel like the weight of the world. And I feel yeah. like I was just saying the other day, like, I got I to gotta, I gotta get into climate change and mm-hmm. I got to get into this and I got to, you know, put my foot here. And I feel like I can definitely definitely be supportive of all of these other efforts, but staying focused to what I know and do best, which is mental health. Like that is my thing. And so sticking to that and then supporting everybody else doing their thing. And I think that that's cool too about like friend groups, because like if each person had their own thing and it's like, you know, (laughs) like for example, so my North Star would probably be type one diabetes. I'm like, you know, I have type one mm-hmm. diabetes and insulin is a problem right now. And so that's kind of my thing. And so it's like Corinne could support me in that. Right. And so then yeah. we would have sort of that. And like, similarly, like I also mental health is very important to me and I've kind of done things with her on that front. So it is really cool that you can have a little group of people that does make a bigger impact just by fueling proxy. each other. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm going to age myself, but it reminds me of the Captain Planet cartoon where it's like Earth, wind, fire, and like together we are the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, so one of the things in the book that we focus a lot on is the concept of an impact plan. Yes, and if you're a person yeah. who really likes like frameworks and, and creating a plan for yourself, I need a plan. This, I like a plan. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll love it. But part of, part of that design is that when you think about your impact actions that you take, you've got your kind of biggest, your big goal, your big impact goal. For me, most recently, that was writing the book impact for others. It might be running a marathon for a cause or, you know, those really big audacious goals that we take on in our impact life then, and you should really only have like one, one or two of these big goals. Then you've got your like medium impact and these are, or your medium effort impact, I should say. These are the goals where it's taking a little bit more time, a little bit more energy. You are volunteering every week or every other week. You are donating on a regular basis. You're making a monthly donation or you're going to a new event or you're learning about an issue every month. They're kind of the the recurring things that take a little bit more energy, but you want them part of your routine. Mm-hmm. And then we have what we call your everyday impact points. And this is the really kind of low effort stuff. And that's where I think that there's room to play with those intersections. So Karen, you're saying, you know, you want to do more with climate change, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, if you do more with climate change, you also have to do more with domestic violence. And then what about animal rights? And then what, and it just <laughs> oh, keeps yeah, going. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I think 
you know, if you if you think about your impact plan, maybe you have your biggest biggest one is that you want to raise X amount for NAMI or you mm-hmm. want to host this big event for them. And then your medium efforts are, you know, you're using your platform on a regular basis to talk about mental health and you're mentoring through the network or, you know, these other kind of ongoing things. Your everyday impact points are where I think that you get room to play and you get to say, you know what, climate change isn't my main issue, but it's important to me. So I'm going to start using reusable straws or I'm going to- I just ordered reusable paper towels that I'm very excited about. And you just got new, you got (laughs) reusable tumblers for Starbucks. I did. Yes. Okay. So that's my everyday impact point. Hey, I like Yeah, exactly. And you, and they count. And yeah, so not every Everything you do has to fit perfectly under your North Star, but it gives you the focus so that when you're really sitting down, you're figuring out where am I really dedicating my time and my money on a regular basis? Those are the pieces that you want to align under this kind of single focus area. You know what? Mm. It's funny because I think of myself as um, an activist and a philanthropist, and I was just realizing that even though I work with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, I personally don't even have a big North Star goal. Like I just, I always tell them like, I'm here with whatever you guys need. I'll show up for anything. I'll tell my story. But I personally never thought that I could have a goal. I always thought the organization has a goal that I can support. That you can be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, But Mm -hmm. I had never thought to make my own goal. Yeah. 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 My wheels are spinning. I'm just like over here thinking of all the things. I'm like, ooh, I've got this idea, that idea. You were talking a lot about like, we were talking about community and like, you know, our friends all getting together. But you also talk about the power of partnership in your book. And I'm curious, Mm -hmm. you know, what brought you and Tammy together and why you feel like it's so important to have these powerful partnerships in activism. So Tammy and I actually met through a scholarship program. We both received the same scholarship when I was in high school. She had won it a few years prior. So we met through that network. And I think that was a really powerful starting point for us because we honestly, we weren't friends prior to starting She's the First. We knew each other through this connection point, but because that is how we connected and because we shared a North Star where we did want to focus on women and girls on a global scale, all of the other stuff, we worked it out along the way. And that honestly, my number one piece of advice, whether you are partnering with another person on hosting an event or you want to start an organization or a movement, or you're looking for an organization to partner with, make sure that your North Star matches theirs because everything else will work itself out if you share that end goal. Same vision. If you, right? If you have those same values, if you're working toward the same thing, everything else is is details. And we see this a lot with, yeah, like people often ask me, how do I pick the right nonprofit? How do I know who to donate to? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's tough too. Yeah. And you see these lists online that are like, okay, go check out their financials and see how much they pay their executive officers. And I, Side note, as a nonprofit executive, like who tend to be women and who tend to be in caretaking kind of capacities, we should be paying nonprofit executives a lot more. Yeah. But the, the point is you don't have to dig through a nonprofit's financials to understand how impactful they are and, and if they're kind of quote unquote good nonprofit. If you find the organization that you share a North Star with and you understand how they how they envision getting there, that's honestly, I think, all you really need to know. Because if you share those values with an organization, just like you do with, 
with people, you're going to see that it clicks and you get it in a way that is so much more important, honestly, than, you know, let the IRS deal with whether or not they're handling their financials. Like there are are people who do that. You want to find the organizations that are going to speak to that world that you want to create. Yeah. So I actually want to kind of just touch back again on She's the First because I know- your organization. Yeah. yeah, You guys have put together this organization Mm -hmm. and it aims to ensure that girls are- they're educated, they're respected, they're heard, they're safe. What are some things that you guys do to ensure mm-hmm. those things? Like what are some of the mission goals and actionable things that you guys do at She's the First? Yeah. So we have two big pillars of our work. The first is strengthening ecosystems, which means that we provide funding, resources, training, and networks to women-led organizations all around the world who work with girls. And the goal there is to make sure that grassroots organizations have all of the resources they need to create impact for girls. It's making sure that the systems around girls are fully supportive of them and their rights. And then our second pillar is around girl-led advocacy. So on a global level and on a local level, we work with girls to understand the issues that are most important to them. And then we launch campaigns and toolkits. We have a campus community for students all over the world to engage in local and global advocacy for girls' rights. That's awesome. Very That's, cool. That's kind of similar to Girl Up, right? Or you guys have similar action plans, kind of? Um, impact plans. Impact plans. Yeah, because I know I work with <laughs> yeah. Girl Up and they also like empower girls to be like leaders and advocates. And I think that's just so important is showing girls how they can also make a change yeah. in, their, in their own communities. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that's really important to us is including girls in that process. Yeah. So it's not the it's not the adults, it's not the staff of She's the First who says, okay, here's what our advocacy campaign is focused on. We have you know organizations around the world who work with girls who ladder up their ideas and their thoughts. We actually have an advisory council made up of girls from around the world. And we have two girls on our board of directors, which technically makes them my boss. I love (laughs) that. To make sure, right? Like, so that when we say we're engaging in advocacy, it's not talking about the issues we think girls are facing. It's talking about the issues that girls themselves raise up and say, hey, we need to be talking about this. Wow. I love that. Also, you're involved in like women and girls safety, which Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. actually recently I had this very long talk with my boyfriend about there was that young woman in England who unfortunately was murdered while she was walking Mm -hmm. home. And I was just talking to my boyfriend and just explaining to him, and obviously he already knew this, but maybe more venting, like how walking down the street anywhere as a woman, like puts you in the line of fire. And I have pepper spray on my keychain. I have a sound alarm on my keychain where if like someone were to attack me, I could pull it and it blares this out. You can do everything right and still be. And it's like this way that we have to be in the world as if every man or person that you know walks by us could potentially harm us and I just love Mm -hmm. that you're on the forefront of teaching you you teach self-defense right I do yeah and I was curious was there anything that inspired you to get into that or was it just kind of this this narrative or collective experience that all women have? Yeah. So I, I grew up actually doing martial arts. I got my black belt when I was 15 or so. And honestly, the reason behind that is because I grew up in this network of incredibly strong women, but 
in and out of their lives were men who were in various instances, either verbally, emotionally, or physically abusive mm. to them. And in my, my own case with my stepdad to me mm. and going to martial arts and going to school were these two places where I could feel strong and powerful and in control. And so you'll see that then kind of throughout my life, these themes of women and girls and yes. safety and school and education, they've all kind of intertwined into, into who I am today. Yeah. And the thing about self-defense is that what really drew me to the dojo that I work with now, which is the Center for Anti-Violence Education in, here in Brooklyn, New York, is that they have an empowerment self-defense approach and what that means is that self-defense often gets taught by like, you know, your ex-cop type or even yeah, a martial artist yeah. who's like, all right, I'm going to show you how to flip this guy over your shoulder. <laughs> and it's a ton of fun. Like I, I love it, but that, it's just not realistic. Like that, that is not the reality of women all around the world. Like you are not in the heat of the moment unless you practice martial arts constantly going to oh, be able to yeah. be able to do that. Dude. No. When I'm in a crisis, yeah. I just, I'm like, I just freeze and stare. And I'm like, oh. okay. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this is the thing is self-defense. And this is the empowerment self-defense approach. Self-defense is anything you do in the moment to keep yourself safe. So when you look back on instances in your life. And I think, you know, as women, as just femme people, most of us have these moments where you look oh, back sure. and you go, I wish I had done that differently. Mm. I wish I had stood up for myself. I wish I had fought back. And the truth is that you are standing here today. And that means that whatever you did in that moment to get from there to here, that was self-defense. Mm. Sometimes the best thing you can do to keep yourself safe is to do nothing is to allow something to happen in order to make it past that. Sometimes, you know, I think we often carry this guilt because there's this unspoken set of rules about what we're supposed to do, that we are supposed to react a certain way when someone you know, cat calls us or when somebody grabs us. And if you don't do that, then you're in the wrong. But the truth is that you should never be cat called. You should never right. be grabbed. Mm -hmm. And that guilt, that shame that we put on women and girls, them folks, just because they didn't react the way that society told them they should react. That's yeah. The issue isn't on the way that girls and women react. So and especially you because know, for me, a lot of the times when you react in instance of being catcalled or something, you know, it does make it worse a lot of the time, yeah. you know, and, and, or you just don't know, you don't know who you're dealing mm -hmm. with and it's really scary. And I think that, yeah. you know, that's a good conversation that we're starting to have now with, you know, people, the men in our lives, the boyfriends to say like, you know, of course, you know, it's this whole concept of not all men or whatever, but it's like, they really should realize how hard it is just to be a woman in the world yeah. to literally mm -hmm. exist as a woman <laughs> is really and that includes trans women as well yeah because yeah. it's you know there's so much violence <sighs> there is and there's no right way to respond in those situations there isn't exactly. you know and i think that's why i think empowerment self defense is so powerful sorry for the pun but because it's not about giving you the right way to respond it's about ensuring that you understand that you always have a right to safety mm -hmm. and giving you some tools to see what works for you that you might be able 
to use in the moment. And I just think that we need to take that approach with more, more in life that, you know, that there is no prescribed way for a person to be, or for a woman to keep herself safe. It's, it's crap, you know, (laughs) the world, the world needs to change to make sure that women and girls are safe. Women and girls don't need to change to make sure they're safe. Completely. And you you are such a strong woman. And I'm I'm actually really curious who some of your role models are or women that you look up to or inspired your philanthropic spirit. Oh my God. My my mom and my grandma are two of the strongest women I've ever met. I mentioned, mm. you know, I grew up surrounded by women. My mom had me young. She was 19. Oh, wow. And so we lived with my grandma and with all of my aunts growing up. And my mom started as a waitress and then went to night school to get her nursing degree and ended up working, you know, nights, weekends, holidays at the hospital. She, her work ethic is beyond anything I've ever seen. To this day, she lives in in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. There can be literally three feet of snow on the ground. And I call her and she's at work because, you know, someone might have needed to come in. So she definitely taught me a lot about what it means to to work and to work hard and and what that looks like. And, you know, I've also had the privilege of meeting girls and women all around the world who fight every single day for the future of girls and women around them. And so I'm surrounded by women and by girls who, who inspire me every day to, to work a little harder, to try a little harder. Well, I know we have to wrap things up, but I, I have one more question. And that is, did you always kind of have a feeling that you were going to end up in something like this? Or how did it kind of evolve into it? Yeah, um, I no, I had no idea. I went to college <laughs> for journalism. I was going to run a women's magazine one day. And now here I am. But I think the through line for me was always women and girls. And I think the women's magazine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you can't be afraid to edit your North star and to Mm -hmm. allow it to evolve with you because you are a changing, growing person. Um, So yeah. So let it, let it grow and let it evolve with you as you grow and change too. I love that. And that's another way to kind of not be caught up in any sort of guilt. If you're like, Oh, I'm not doing the same, you know? Yeah. It's, it is, you know, the world changes and we have to change as well. So I love that concept. Well, Kristen, we love you. We love what you're doing. We love your book. We're going to link it in our show notes notes. for everybody listening so they can pick it up and they can read it. And we're also going to link to your organization. She's the first. Can you tell us some ways that we can support your org as well? Yeah. So you can find us online everywhere at She's the First. One of the biggest ways to make a difference is by becoming a monthly donor. Ooh, and okay. we, as part of that, will give you regular updates. You'll be part of a, an exclusive community. Cool. Well, I'm signing up today. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much and have a great day. Oh, thank you both so much. It was so good to meet you. It was so great to meet you. It was so good to meet you both too. Oh my gosh, I feel like we're focused. Yes. I really, really love the concept of the North Star and the concept of having like that true, you know, the big goal. The goal. You know, I've always had this this one thing that I've been thinking about for like five years, my big Halloween party. Yes. 
yes, yeah, you yes. Yes, I'm that. like, maybe I should really try to make this happen. I really want to have this like huge, really fun Halloween party, but it's like you have to pay to get the ticket, but then all the proceeds go to I think you, charity. I think you, you're going to do that. I know that. I'm going to do that I one know day. That for you. It'll be litty, and I, all you listeners can come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope that you guys feel more empowered to create an impact in your own community in both small ways and large and that you reflect upon what your personal North Star is and how you can make a lasting impact for the greater good. And also check out Kristen's book, Mm -hmm. Impact. We'll link it in the show notes. Her organization, She's the First, also linked in the show notes. Yeah. All her socials and everything and support her cause and her be an ally for her North Star. Yes, yes. Nat, should we suck back on this? Your Ooh, friend's wine. What yes. is it? Uh, what's the actual name again? Fearless. Fearless. Rose. Mm-hmm, 2019. Oh, let's introduce our what tea of the week. Mm. Would you like to introduce her? Because you did pick her. I suggested her. Or suggested her, yeah. And she, I think, really works for our topic. She does. Because she is a very large advocate mm-hmm. for many, many a things. Brilliant, stunning, amazing, Amal Clooney. Amal Clooney. She's a civil rights lawyer? She is a, I don't know if it's civil rights. I would have to look it up. I think it might be. Um, Something rights. (laughs) This bitch is a genius. Oh, human rights. Human Human rights. rights. International law and human rights lawyer. I mean, I mean come that like in on. my in another life, that's <sighs> what I would have done. Oh, I was you know I'm trying. I'm always trying to go to law school. Yeah, Corinne is actually always trying to I'm go. Always to law trying school. to go to law school. I'm like, fuck the entertainment industry. Yeah. This means nothing. Yes. I'm getting into civil rights, and I'm going to save the world. Yes. And I'm also going to become the president of the United yes. States. Yes, but that's for another topic. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to get there. It'll happen. <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to have my Halloween party. You're going to become the president. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> And that's that. And that's that. Okay, so let me take another sip. We're going to compare this fearless rose one to Amal Clooney. So, you know what's interesting? Everybody that's listening to the show that knows us knows we don't love roses. I actually really like this rose. I like it. It's very drinkable. So drinkable and doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes roses are a little too sweet and sugary and it feels. Like this has like a little bit of a not a tartness, but something. It's, I don't know. Yeah, like, a like bit of, almost like citrusy. Kinda? Yeah, that's a little less like cotton candy. Yeah, it's fruity. I like it. I, I actually, really and like it. By the way, we aren't. This is not biased. Like even though I know Chelsea, we're not gonna give her. We like, give you the real. We'll deal. give you the real deal. And to be honest, I'm gonna give it a. I'm so curious what you're gonna say because I know what I'm gonna say. It also smells good. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. Were you going to give an eight and a half? I was in between eight and eight and a half, but eight and a half. Eight and a half. Let's go for that it. That feels right. It feels, it feels right. Out of a mall. Out again, of a mall. A mall is like. Who you know is maybe my North Star. She's, <laughs> she is, she should be all of our North Stars, you guys. What a, what a queen. What a queen. We'll link this wine in the show notes if you guys want to pick up a bottle. Okay, so this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game, and today we're playing 200 questions. No, we're not answering 200 questions. We're picking a question, one through 200, and they as get more personal, personal as, as they you get go. closer to 200, and we don't know what these questions are. Mm-mm. So, Nat, would you like to go first? Would you like to pick a number, one through 200? I always also, I always get screwed over. I always get the worst question in the bunch. <laughs> 
I feel Remember like when I got the one that was, when was the last time you climbed oh, a tree? Oh, climbed a tree. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Okay. Let me think. I always choose doubles and I feel like I'm running out of doubles, but I don't think I've chosen 55. 50. No, you haven't. I know that. Let's see. I'm sure I've done 11. I'm sure I've done 77. You've done 77. I, you've actually asked for it twice. Ah, uh, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Whoa. This is. Okay. What's the best way a person can spend their time? With their friends and family, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I was just thinking about this. Like the like my truest like moments of happiness are just very simple moments with my friends and family. You know, that's so interesting you say that because we were just in Colorado with Joe's Joe's family and I haven't seen my family since Christmas which is insane yeah. and just because of COVID obviously mm-hmm. and I was just realizing like this is like how we're supposed to be we're supposed yes. to be with people with people in tribes yes like that that's is, like how we're built yeah like as homo sapiens yeah and so it just was like I was feeling really good and happy and was like, oh, it's because I've been in deep isolation for months. Yeah. I've I been haven't in, seen anybody. Yeah. I've been dead ass alone for a full year, except right. for seeing you. And it is very much like, even before the pandemic though, like just going to dinner with your friends and like, or just very simple, like having a glass of wine, watching a movie. Like those are the best times of my life really those are the, the times, times of my life, life. <laughs> okay uh, i'm feeling tw- i'm gonna do 27 since i'm 27 oh, okay okay 27 oh god this one you know because it's kind of an earlier number it could be in the tree territory we're gonna oh. we're gonna find out maybe i already answered it oh this is actually a very interesting question what are some things you've had to unlearn Oh my god, that's I, a, that's that seems like a farther down than twenty seven. Some things question. I had to unlearn. Gosh, I mean, I think we talk so much about work mm-hmm. and um, that working hard and all the time doesn't necessarily mean you're productive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is part of the American dream, right? right? Like the American dream is sold to us. Like if you work hard and you hustle and you're to the ground, like yeah. you can make any dream, you know, yeah. you want happen. And I, I, I almost think it's a false narrative. And I do think you're, it just I, makes people, yeah, it keeps people working until they're like, right. Not a, they're collapsing. Right. You're, you're maybe not even your best when you are, when you're so exhausted and so tired and kind of going back to what you said, where like the, you're happiest and you're your best when you're with friends and your mm-hmm. family and prioritizing that. And I think being young and a hustler and I'm like, I got to yeah. do everything. Yeah. And I've like been trying to unlearn that, which has been sold to me from a young age, yes. from movies, from, you know, whatever American culture. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think that's correct. And you look at your European countries and they have, <sighs> I think about Parisian people all the time. Every time I'm so overworked, I'm like, if I lived in Paris, if I grew up in Paris, I would be like, eh, I'm going to take the day off. You know what I mean? But also in Spain, they have siestas. Siesta. In the middle of the day, they have like two hours. Of- you couldn't get a taco at like two. No. Because. It's relaxy time. Because everyone's asleep. Yeah. 
Time because to they're taking a nap, they're prioritizing and realizing that as a human being, you cannot work the the standard American work hours. No. And also, I just learned recently, speaking of learning and unlearning, that the nine to five, the concept of nine to five was invented by Henry Ford to keep that's everybody what I'm at the it's, it's factory. The, this American fed <laughs> lie yeah. that nobody else abides to but us. And right. And we all think it's very normal. And We're leads like, yeah, to our, of course our psychological Of course temple. I work 18 hours a day. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I'm living the dream. Meanwhile, <laughs> <Our> time. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like my hair is falling out and I'm crying. But like it's the dream, you guys. So yeah, that's a great one. That's yeah, great I would one. say I'm still on learning that, but you don't have to be working on the ground to be productive or successful yes. 24-7. Like that can come also from resting and being your best when you show up. And I'm going to say that kind of ties back into what we were talking about with, with Kristen, which is like you don't have to do everything. Right. You know, you can focus on your North Star, focus on the North Star. And also in terms of this, focusing on yourself and your own well-being, that actually is much more impactful than being worn out and exhausted and like angry and crying. Yes. <laughs> so. Which is, I feel like this is 90% of our conversations we always have. Yeah. We're always, yeah. 100%. We just remind each other constantly yes. so we don't have to burn ourselves out. Right. Yeah. Well, what a great episode. Um, If you guys have any questions, feel free to DM us at amidoingthisrightpod or email us at amidoingthisrightpod at gmail.com. If you have a topic suggestion, you want Mm -hmm. us to cover something, feel free to reach out and and give us some ideas. And also don't forget to rate and review our podcast. We would love you for it. Yeah, and share with a friend. Yeah, this is a great episode. This is a great one to share with a friend. It helps us grow and... Also just gets the word out. Gets the word out. The word out and we're out. And we're out. Peace. All right. Love you guys. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Bye.